In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is Cantate Sunday, and Cantate means sing. It is almost impossible to overstate the theological importance of music and song. How blessed we are this morning to have the children join us with their glorious handbells. Make a joyful noise to the Lord indeed. Martin Luther famously wrote, Next to the word of God, the noble art of music is the greatest treasure in the world. It controls our hearts, minds, and spirits. A person who does not regard music as a marvelous creation of God does not deserve to be called a human being. (laughs) He should be permitted to hear nothing but the braying of donkeys and the grunting of hogs. (laughs) Thus far, Luther. And how right he is. At least that music has the power to control our hearts, minds, and spirits. We recall, for example, the profound impact that David's music had upon Saul and how the word of God set to his music drove away the demon that troubled Saul. Perhaps the wisdom of the church fathers could be summed up in this way. Music is far more powerful than we might think it is. Be careful with this gift. Music has the power to inspire men to war, and it has the power to soothe a crying child. Music has the power to depress and the power to uplift. Music is the instrument of the angels and also of the demons. So use it wisely and know that in itself, music is one of the most marvelous creations of God. With Luther, the 4th century church father, St. Basil of Caesarea, speaks of the godly use of music. He writes, The Holy Spirit mixed sweetness of melody with doctrine so that we would absorb the benefits of the words through the gentleness and ease of hearing, and that thereby the doctrine would be more deeply impressed upon our souls. Of course, Basil is alluding to the Psalms, in which the Holy Spirit mixes melody and doctrine. And the same could be said for why we Lutherans sing what we sing. Our hymnody is meant to be doctrine, biblical teaching set to music. It's often said, by the way, that in writing hymns, Luther set doctrine to bar tunes, to tavern music. And while that makes for a good Oktoberfest myth, it isn't in fact true. Bar tunes, more commonly known as bar form, has nothing to do with taverns or drinking songs, and everything to do with a simple A-A-B pattern of composition. So no, Lutheran's hymns aren't set to drinking songs, sorry to burst that bubble. When one looks even earlier than Luther, earlier than the church fathers, into the scriptures themselves, of course we see that they are replete with music and with references to music. The book of Acts tells us that the early church sang. The gospel tells us that even on the night when our Lord was betrayed, he and his disciples sang psalms. Of course, they didn't have smartphones, let alone printed hymnals. 
so they sang from memory, given them by the liturgical life of first century Israel. We mustn't forget that in the very middle of the Bible are the Psalms, the hymn book of God's people, past and present. One of the books of the Bible is even named Song of Songs. And there are additional songs and references to music and singing throughout the scriptures all the way back to the Torah. And how could we ever forget how God utterly transforms our reading of Genesis and how we picture the creation of our world when he tells Job that the angels, whom God had only just created, were singing as he laid the foundations of the cosmos. So too, the angelic beings sing at the birth of Christ, at the incarnation of the Son of God. For in this, in God become man, in God laying down his life to redeem man, it is the dawn of a new creation, all things being made new. And when the book of Revelation unveils heaven to us, and we get a glimpse of what we all will soon enough experience, we see that heaven is filled with music, with otherworldly angelic beings, some made of geometrical shapes and patterns, some covered in eyes, some consisting of rainbows and fire, along with holy saints of unimaginable glory. And they're all singing, joining in the ongoing cosmic liturgy that encircles the throne of God and forms the heart of all creation. Indeed, both the Old and the New Testaments would lead us to this understanding of our worship. When we are worshiping God, we are joining in this ongoing cosmic liturgy, joining with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, lauding and magnifying God's glorious name. Not only because he has fearfully and wonderfully made us, but also because he has redeemed us with his own precious blood. Not only because he has so removed from us all the iniquity and guilt of our sins, but also because he has poured out his Holy Spirit upon us, the helper and comforter who has begun to make us new. The Holy Spirit creates faith in us through the word, and thus we now join with the angels in singing as God begins to create the new heavens and the new earth. For that is the very thing going on in our midst, and yet accessible only to the eyes of faith. In that age which is to come, we'll be able to say, I was there in the beginning. I sang with the angels as the Lord began to make all things new. I saw with my own eyes as he gave birth through water and spirit and brought a new human race into being, one soul at a time. We will be able to say, I sang with cherubim and seraphim as I approached his holy altar. I sang in my heart as he placed his own holy body into my unholy tongue and cleansed my sinful lips with his own innocent blood.
O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. And thus he did open them, bidding me to take, eat, take, drink, for the forgiveness of my sins. And so with cleansed mouth I do declare his praise. Indeed, Holy Communion is given into our mouths for precisely this reason, that God might sanctify our mouths and cleanse our lips, that with word and song we might give thanks to him and sing his praise and join in the cosmic and eternal liturgy of joy. Join in knowing him, receiving all things from him, and delighting in him until the ages of ages. Veiled in prophecy, it is this of which Isaiah speaks in our Old Testament lesson for today. And it might help you to flip back in your service folder and take a look as I explain that text. Some scholars think that this part of Isaiah was itself composed as a liturgical song with the soloist singing to you, in the singular, the first two verses. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. After this, the choir would have come in singing to you, plural, y'all. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One in is of Israel. As you can see, it is, in fact, a hymn of Christ. Though God was justly angry with me for my sins, he has turned from his anger and comforted me. How? He himself has become my salvation. And where else do we see this more plainly than on the cross of Jesus? He did not merely save me from afar by distant heavenly fiat. He came down from heaven and became my salvation, your salvation, the salvation of the ends of the earth. And let us not forget the historical circumstances of this song that Isaiah composes. He pens these words less than two decades before the ten northern tribes of Israel were wiped off the map by the Assyrians, never to return. Idolatry, corruption, injustice, and sin were everywhere. And what did Isaiah do? And what did Isaiah have the faithful remnant do? Sing. Sing of Jesus, 
sing of how God is our salvation, and therefore we need not fear. It should give us pause. It must give us pause that as bad as things are in this world around us, in our own nation, maybe in our own personal lives, infested with idolatry, with corruption, with greed, injustice, lust, and sin of every kind, as bad as this world in our own lives may be, God would have us sing and sing of Jesus, of how God himself has become our salvation, and we need not be afraid. How sinister of our government to forbid us from singing. Even if they, as human beings, meant it with the best of intentions, which I kind of doubt, frankly, since shouting and burning cities and singing wicked chants is apparently acceptable, but you Christians stop praising God. Even if they meant it with the best of intentions, see the demonic forces behind, trying their best to halt the song of Christians, the song of our Savior Jesus. No, we will sing in all circumstances of Jesus. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though the worst of all sorrows befall us, though our sins go up over our heads, still we will sing. For God is yet our God. Christ is yet our Savior. And great in our midst is the Holy One of Israel. To the faithful remnant in Israel, though their sins were many, though the nation around them was falling apart, God speaks comfort and lifts up their eyes to that day, to that day which is quickly coming for all of us, when God will take us from this valley of tears and from our sinful flesh, and we shall behold him face to face. And beholding him face to face in the eyes of our Savior Jesus and from his mouth, each one of us will find the forgiveness of sins, the healing of our wounds, and the restoration of our souls. On that day we will sing. And therefore on this day we will also sing. Indeed, there is a sense in which that day invades this day and every day because we know that the word and promises of God are true. We know who Jesus is. He is our strength and our song. Today is Cantate Sunday, and Cantate simply means sing. The psalm from which this is taken, Psalm 98, says, Sing to the Lord a new song. We learn in the book of Revelation that this new song is all about Jesus. It is the song of his incarnation and birth, the song of his teaching and healing, the song of his passion and atoning death, the song of his glorious resurrection and ascension, is the song of his abiding presence with us as our shepherd and of his final return. But most of all, it is the song of his worthiness, his worthiness to reign as our king now and for all eternity. 
let us be comforted by the Holy Spirit and let the unclean spirits be driven away. Let our contrite hearts be cleansed and our broken hearts be healed. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.